Greetings, fellow sports card enthusiasts. This is the 615 Collector. My name is Doug Turner. And I'm Brandon Turner. And we're your hosts of a weekly podcast that is dedicated to the world of sports cards. All right, this is episode nine, our ninth show. Who knew it would last this long? (laughs) Uh, Thanks to all of our supporters, we continue to see growth, slow and steady growth in our following, and we do appreciate all the support that we've gotten. We're having a lot of fun, and we actually plan to have a lot of fun today as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to today's show. Yeah, because we have got a special interview planned. We're going to do what we think is going to be some fun different things with this guest, and so looking forward to the show today, as we always do. And then some of the things that we'll be doing as a follow-up today's show, well, actually, I think we'll probably touch base on those after we come back from the interview in the outro. So we'll talk a little bit more about that later. All right, should we go straight into the interview or did you wanna talk about anything else first? Yeah, I do actually wanna do a couple of quick follow-up notes from our last show and then we can jump into the interview. In the last show, we did a little bit of a grading 101 and after the show, I kind of realized that there were a couple of points that it did forget to mention and I knew it, I know we had talked at the time, I was like, I feel like I'm forgetting something. I just had that feeling. Anyway, so afterward, I did realize there were a couple things that I didn't mention I wanted to touch on, so we'll follow up on that, and then we can jump into the interview. So, regroup here for the Grading 101. If you remember last time, we talked about the five different companies um, that we use, four that are kind of the main players, and then HGA as as an up-and-comer. And we talked also about how the different, some of the companies, so Beckett, BGS, uh, CSG, HGA and SGC all have multiple 10 grades. They have two different 10s that you can get, whereas PSA just has the one 10. But we didn't talk about how you can get those 10s. And so wanted to mention that really quickly, that the way those that works is to get the, the what I'll call the standard 10, or what a lot of them will say is the pristine 10 grade. Remember, those companies issue subgrades. Well, except for SGC, but BGS CSG and HGA issue subgrades and remember that would be on the corners the edges the surface and the centering and so to get a 10 you've got to get three of the four subgrades have to be tens and then the other for the fourth grade has to be a nine and a half so if you get that if those are your four subgrades the card will get what's referred to as your standard 10 and in order to get that flawless or you know, pristine or whatever, um, black label from, from Beckett, whatever they call it, um, to get, or the perfect 10, I think is what CSG calls it. That is one in which all four of the subgrades get a 10. And so if all four of them get a 10, then you get that perfect 10. And so that's how you get the two different 10s. Then also wanted to mention really quickly how those subgrades work in terms of what how it come, um, derives the overall grade for the card because not all companies do that the same way as an example uh if you let's use hga the way they do it is they actually just do an average of the four subgrades and then they round down so if the average is 9.25 they'll round it down to a nine and the card will get a nine overall the way that um, beckett and csg who are the other two that issue subgrades The way they do it is they don't tell us how they do it. So, yeah, exactly. So CSG says they have a proprietary algorithm, and Beckett sort of does the same. It's not a simple average. They kind of use a a formula to determine, 
but generally speaking, I would proprietary t- algorithm. Yeah, to to sort of what look kind at of it. algorithm. So do you need I don't everybody know. Everybody else just averages them. What why well, do you need some crazy algorithm? Exactly. At the end of the day, it really comes down to how the. I think for the most part, it generally is an average, but some of it comes down to the way the subgrades come out and. You can typically get to, an, you know, if the average comes out to a nine, you're probably going to get a nine. Now, that said, here's two caveats. The way that uh, both Beckett and CSG work, as well as HGA, actually, is that a card cannot get more than one point higher than the lowest subgrade. So let's say you get a, let's say, you, let's use an extreme example and say you have three tens and a six. Well, then the grade of that card overall cannot be higher than a seven one point more than the lowest subgrade and since the lowest subgrade is a six the card's going to get a seven even though it has those three tens and if you average that let's see do some math three tens plus a six is 36 divide by four that would be if my math is right so that would that be a nine for those following along that would average to a nine you will not get a nine though you'll get a seven because you can't get more than a point higher now generally speaking that's an extreme example in Beckett's case, and I think CSG does something similar, generally speaking, they will give the card a half a point lower. I mean, excuse me, a half a point above the lowest um, subgrade. So let's say you had a couple of nine and a halves, a nine and an eight, then that card would likely get an eight and a half. It would only get a half grade higher. So if the subgrades are all kind of within the same general, you know, say within a point or two of each other, then you're probably only going to get a half a point above the lowest subgrade, but if there's a big disparity between them, and then you're only, then you're going to get a point. Now with HGA, it's just they don't have that sort of half grade. P. It's just you cannot get more than one point lower, or excuse me, higher than the lowest subgrade. That's how the subgrades work and how they factor in to the overall grade of the card. Two more points I wanted to make really quick. One is that there are also, well, let's start with the grading scales. So we, we talked about the grading scales being one to 10 and how some of the companies will issue a nine and a half. And so, but PSA does not. So SGC, CSG, BGS, and HGA all issue a nine and a half. PSA does not. Well, there are also descriptions of those number grades, right? So a one is poor and a two might be fair and a three might be good and so on and so forth and then it becomes very good and excellent and near mint and mint and then what's called gem mint and so the gem mint description is what I want to focus on because that's where sometimes people get confused a PSA 10 they consider to be gem mint for HGA CSG BGS and I believe SGC as well for all four of them since they have that nine and a half the nine and a half is considered gem mint. Take not taking into account the difficulty or how tough each of the companies might grade cards, just strictly based on the grading scale and how they describe the quality of the card in their grading scale, a nine and a half at the other four companies would be the equivalent to a 10 at PSA just based on the description again not saying anything about well this this company grades more difficult so a 9 might be a 10 over there this company grades easier or whatever there are some differences as far as that's concerned and that's one other thing that I'll mention if I I can't recall if I did mention it last show but all these companies publish their grading criteria 
on their websites. And so I would encourage you, if you do want to get cards graded, um, to go to their website of the company that you want to grade through and look at their criteria. And then that'll help you kind of evaluate uh, where your card will land within that. They will tell you, for example, and this is where you can tell which companies are more difficult. So for example, for a PSA to get a 10, if I remember right, I don't have their site up in front of me, but the centering criteria is an example. I think it can be 60-40, as, as much as 60-40 um, on the centering, meaning that, that the card is shifted to, you know, so it's a little 60% off. It's if 50-50 would be perfectly centered, so it could be like 60-40. Now, some companies might say in order to get a 10, the card has to be 50-50 or maybe it has to be 55-45. So they might have a little bit of a more stringent standard in their centering criteria as an example to get a 10 versus a 9. And so there are a little bit of some nuances and some differences as far as how those companies look at that stuff. And then the last thing I'm going to say that I forgot to mention last time is something referred to as qualifiers. PSA does this, and I'm trying to think if the other companies, Beckett might, I don't know that Beckett does. PSA may be the only one that does this, actually, and they've kind of changed their process on how they do it, but there's something referred to as qualifiers, and they are things like if there's a stain on the card, or if the card was miscut, or if it's significantly off-center, or it's got a mark on it, or it's got a print defect, or it's out of focus, They'll, you'll see a qualifier on the card. It might say MC for miscut or OC for off-center. What that is is that in the past, it used to be, let's say everything else about the card was great, like maybe everything else about the card would give it a grade of a 9, but it's off-center. Well, you could have them put that, give it the 9 grade with the qualifier of being off-center and you know still get that grade of 9. If you didn't want the qualifier then the card would get the grade that it that it based on their criteria and so if the centering was off center and if that would result in the card let's say getting a six then even if everything else about the card would suggest it should be a nine because it doesn't meet the centering criteria it still might get a six without a qualifier but if you allow them to do the qualifier then maybe it gets a nine with the qualifier of saying it's off, that it's um, off center now, generally speaking, if you look at the marketplace, the marketplace has not been favorable to qualifiers. So if you see a card with a grade of, say, 9, but has a qualifier on it, it will not sell for the same price as just a pure 9-graded card. And so for that reason, you kind of have to look. I Personally, for me, I'm not a fan of qualifiers. I don't like them. And so I would not, I'd rather take the lower grade without a qualifier, uh, but other that may be just you know people's personal opinions but i think based on what i've seen in the marketplace in terms of how the market values cards you definitely take a hit if the card has a qualifier and so i feel like from what i've seen the card's going to have more value with a pure with a lower grade that's pure without a qualifier as opposed to a higher grade with a qualifier but again it all depends on the reason you're getting the card graded maybe you're not you don't care about the value maybe you're just getting it for your personal collection and you'd prefer to have that higher grade with qualifier then go for it so anyway so those are those are the things that we kind of forgot to mention last time that i wanted to make sure that we covered and so that should do it. I think that gives the that completes the rundown of the grading card 101 or the card grading 101, I should say, that we wanted to do. All right. So then let's get into the interview now. And we should probably start by telling people who our guest is. Yeah, that would help. Uh, today, we've got a former NFL 
player that's going to be on the show. I've actually known this guy for most of my life. We grew up together. He is a stud athlete. He's also just a really good dude. And we've said that uh, we wanted to have a variety of guests, you know, from industry executives and athletes and coaches and so forth. And so today we have former NFL star Chad Coda. He will be joining us. And uh, like I said, we're excited to have him. For those that don't know Chad, he played safety in the NFL on the defense. I think he was a maybe he was a free safety um, for eight years. The first three years were with the Carolina Panthers. That's the team he was drafted by in the seventh round. He was the 209th pick overall of the 1995 draft. And after being with Carolina for three years, he played for a season in uh, with New Orleans for the New Orleans Saints and then spent three years with the Indianapolis Colts before finishing out his career in St. Louis. And I had thought that he had spent some time with the 49ers, but we asked him about that in the interview. And so I think it was um, – just a little bit of a brief stint in the off season, but not in the regular season. All right. And he also played for Mike Dicka. Yeah, it's actually interesting. When you look at his career, it's crazy. He played for a lot of very legendary coaches. So yeah, he played for Mike Dicka when he was in New Orleans. He also played for uh, Dom Capers in when he was with Carolina. And then uh, who else? Oh, well, and when he was in New Orleans, Jack Del Rio was there as the linebackers coach. Uh, he played in Indianapolis. He played for Jim Mora, uh, who was the coach there. And for those that don't know Jim or that maybe they do, he, Jim is the one has that kind of famous video clip of him going, playoffs, playoffs? We talking about playoffs. I'm just, you know, hope we can win a game and whatnot. So was that a, was that a decent impression? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh-huh. So uh, that was, I think, the 2001 season. He also played uh, – actually, Bruce Arians was a coach in Indy. I think maybe – I think he was a quarterback or an offensive coach in Indy while Chad was there. And then one of my Bronco guy, Vic Fangio, uh, was the defensive coordinator for both in Carolina and then I think in Indianapolis as well. Um, so he was Chad's defensive coordinator, and he's now obviously the head coach of my favorite team, the Denver Broncos. And then uh, he also played for Mike Martz in St. Louis, which was interesting. Lovey Smith was the defensive coordinator there while he was there. And that was the greatest, that was the years of the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner and that whole crew. So that was kind of interesting. And when he was in Indy, uh, Peyton Manning, that was Peyton Manning's years. Uh, I think 99 was his second year, right? That's the season they went 13 and three, made it to the playoffs. They lost ultimately to the Tennessee, our beloved Tennessee Titans or the local team the Tennessee Titans that was the year of the Music City Miracle for those that remember that when they beat the the Bills on the kickoff return Tennessee ended up going to the Super Bowl that year and they lost to the Rams but that was an interesting season so anyway so Chad's had kind of a a storied career from that standpoint playing with a number of legendary coaches a number of legendary players and one last point I'll make before we jump in the interview that he was also named to the Carolina Panthers 10-year anniversary team as a safety his um his interception in the end zone versus the pittsburgh steelers on the final possession of the of the of i think it was the last regular season game that preserved their victory and it clinched 
the NFC West division title for the Panthers and uh, gave them a first round bye going into the playoffs. That is named as the number 10 most memorable play in Carolina Panthers history. If you remember, the year he got drafted by him was actually the first year the Carolina Panthers came into existence. And then it was only two years later that they put together, I think it was a 12-4 and season, went to the playoffs, went to the NFC Championship game, played Green Bay up in Lambeau Field where he played against Brett Favre. And so we had a chance to ask him a little bit about what that experience was like in the interview. So it was fun. It was a fun, uh, it's, it's a fun interview. We hope you enjoy it. And so let's see. All right. And we should also mention that we won't have a show next week since Friday is Christmas Eve, but we'll be back with the show the following week. Yeah. Good point. Thank you for reminding me on that. And we'll, we'll provide another reminder after the interview, when we come back and do the outro, We've got some card giveaways planned as well, so stick around after the interview because we're going to talk more about that and how you can potentially win, and we're also going to announce some winners of some card giveaways that we've already done. That should be fun. So without further ado, here is the interview with Chad Cota. All right, so we are excited today because we have a special guest on the show. This is someone that I have known pretty much all of my life, grew up together. He's a stud athlete and a really good dude as well. Uh, we said at the beginning of the show, when we first started this, we wanted to have a variety of guests on from industry executives and athletes and coaches and all that kind of stuff. Today, we have a former NFL star, Chad Coda, joining us. So Chad, welcome to the show. Oh, good to be here, Doug. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and for those that yeah. don't know, Chad played in the NFL, and Chad, correct me if I get any of this wrong. You were eight seasons, I think, in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, yep. First yeah. three years with Carolina Panthers. That's the team that drafted you. And then after that, I think you played a season for the Saints. And then from there, played three oh, years yeah. with the Colts. And then, yep. is it right you finished your career in St. Louis? Was that your yeah. last year? One year, okay. 2002 in St. Louis, yep. For some reason, I was thinking you played for the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Um, before the Rams, I had, was in uh, mini camp, training camps. So I played three preseason games with the Niners before my last year with the Rams. And then Rams called like right before the season opener. So yeah, I did get some preseason games, Niners. So the, yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you were gonna go to the Bills, I guess, and decided you were gonna re- just you're like, that's it. I can't take any more. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted. Yeah. I didn't want to do training camp. My wife didn't really want to move yeah, out to Buffalo. So I was just like, ah, I want, I want to be on the West Coast somewhere. So it didn't work out. So, yeah, shut it down. Body body was getting a little beat up, too. So, Well, I was going to ask you about that because I think was it uh, – I maybe it was that year with the Rams. I was looking at some okay. of your stats and stuff and saw that you had a couple of inactives that year. So, And I don't remember. That's too long ago for me to remember. Yeah. <laughs> did, you have, did you have some injuries that kept you out of some games then? That, yeah, I got – I think it was on kickoff. I just got blasted in the chest. You know, back back when they used to be able to set up wedges and have 305, 300 pounders going in front, you'd have to go take that on. And I, oh, I thought I broke my ribs, but then it uh, got wow. a really bad chest, yeah, bruise. Basically, I think is what it was. Yeah. So I was out a couple games, I think. All right. So I'm going to start back at the beginning with the draft. I, I'm I'm just curious to get kind of what your experience was like playing in the NFL, starting with the draft, and then we'll kind of work through a couple other seasons of that of your career but so what was it like on draft night and i suppose the draft then then is much different than it is today with all the fanfare that they do today what was it like then because you were drafted in the seventh round did you have an idea that you were going to go to carolina or 
Not really. I mean, I was talking to a few teams. I think, you know, with the the Rams also, because Rich Brooks, you know, my old coach had just got the head job there. So I was thinking maybe I'd get there. And then I think uh, there's a couple other teams. But uh, yeah, Carolina kind of came out of nowhere. I, I don't even know where North Carolina was. Back <laughs> then, so far. To the East Coast, furthest I'd been was to Shreveport, Louisiana for the uh, Independence Bowl. So yeah, I was a little surprised, but it worked out. Uh, so did you get the uh, did you get the phone call, or did they just did you hear about it on TV first? Phone call because we were watching on ESPN, and then I don't think we had ESPN two. I don't even think nationally we could get it, but um, it switched to ESPN two, so I didn't have it on the TV. So it just got the phone call and found out that way. Nice. At what point did you realize that you were because? When you got to Carolina, I think Terry Collins was the quarterback there. And I don't remember. Yep. Yeah, he must have been drafted the same year, right? Because he, he, yeah. you played him in the Rose Bowl. He was with Penn State. You were with Oregon. You guys played in the Rose Bowl and then met up there. And and is my right that I heard that you guys were roommates when you got to Carolina? Uh, we weren't roommates, but definitely, you know, played against each other in the Rose Bowl. And then um, – yeah, but we were the inaugural team. So it was the first year, 95, it was the first year of the Panthers. And uh, we were part of the first, yeah, the very first uh, draft draft for the Panthers too. So yeah, I think Kerry, I was trying to think our other, Tyrone Poole, a cornerback was another first rounder. And Kerry uh, was our big franchise quarterback for sure. And then uh, yep. and so Dom Capers was your coach there. And then was the defensive coordinator Vic Fangio? Yeah. Yeah. Knowing you as a Broncos fan, yeah, you know, you know, probably Fangio's history. I'm happy, I'm happy you remembered that, yeah, because as soon as I thought that, I was like, oh, I got to talk to Chad about Vic. Oh, once you once you said that, I was like, oh yeah, now I remember Douglas, total Broncos fan, maybe from way back when we were kids. Oh yeah, yeah, but Vic Vic Fangio, I'm a Vic Fangio guy for sure, and then played for him for three years there. Then when I went back to the Colts, he was also also our defense defense coordinator at the Colts the whole time I was there too. So. I'm a big three four zone blitz, you know, guy. That's that's what I know. And I, I kinda coach it in high school football and stuff and try to implement it a little bit. Keep it maybe a little less complicated, but yeah, Vic is obviously probably one of the best defensive minds in the history of football. So yeah, I I played for Vic for six years. Yeah, I was gonna say what what little I know about, you know, all the ins and outs of football, do you seem like you would have been well suited for his scheme? Oh yeah. I loved his scheme, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Probably about my second year, I started learning it pretty good. And then we had my second year at Carolina, 96, the team. And we had Kevin Green and Lamar Lathan just bringing Pete off the edge in that 3-4. And I was just, you know, I think I had six interceptions that year. Um, and just, you know, a lot of, made a couple nice plays. But a couple of them were just, you know, guys getting in the quarterback's face and making bad throws. I benefited from that system for sure. I know that was, I think that was your, you had like a hundred and what, I don't know, 20 tackles or something that year, a bunch of interceptions. Although from yeah. what I was looking at stats from 97 to 01, I think that time frame you were averaging over a hundred tackles a season. You had 15 career interceptions from what I could tell, uh, three of which in the playoffs, by the way. So that was nice. Oh, did you? Four, so you got that. And then I noticed you picked off some big names. So I saw interception on, I think, Steve Young, Troy yeah. Aikman. And then, of course, the big one was Cordell right. Stewart, right? Yeah, Cordell Stewart. Yep, in the uh, in in the uh, at Carolina to uh, finish. Probably the biggest play of my career, really, was that one to finish basically the season and get us the first round by in the playoffs. So, right. The, the yeah. wives love me because we got like Christmas off or something because of the interception because we had a bye <laughs> the first round. <laughs> nice. 
exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then uh, a friend, oh, so Warren, I think Warren Moon was my first interception too. So that's you know a big name. Oh yeah. Uh, former Husky, big career. Uh, Aikman, was he I, a Husky? I have, Is that uh, where he Favre. went to school? Was he Washington? Was was Warren Moon? He was a Husky. Yeah, he was a Husky before. He went okay. There. Okay. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, and then I picked. So he was playing. Gosh, that was Minnesota. Yeah, it was Minnesota. It was a Viking for a while. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So who before I get to I want to ask you just about the daily grind, but who who was the most difficult to go up against? Jerry Rice, all those years. Um, he was really, really market good. Yeah. No, this is a market of choice. Oh, sorry. I pulled him the wrong spot, Doug. So. No, that's right. Um, let's see. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> at least you can edit this after. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Jerry Rice. I mean, had to go against him at Carolina all those years and then. I played for the Saints, so I had to play him, you know, twice a year, and he, he was obviously just just another level. And and even if you had double cover him, um, they'd, st- they'd still try to go to Jerry even in double coverage a lot of times. So he'd split the double team and somehow still find a way to get open. So he really good. Um, Eric Molds was was big, and then uh, To was just kind of coming into the league too. He was coming to his own kind of when I was with the Colts is when he was really coming. So he was just that that first big time physical fast just specimen type of receiver he was he was you know kind of seems like one of the first ones so yeah another another tough guy to go against i was gonna ask you about him because yeah that and that was back when i I guess back then the nfc west was it was san francisco and i'm looking at my notes atlanta new orleans carolina and i think st louis was that no yeah Uh, yeah the rams rams are usually in the nfc west too yeah 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 so so, yeah. oh, I, Isaac Bruce. There's one I can't forget too. Isaac Bruce was nasty. Yeah, he he was tough. Really? He'd run a stem seam that was just one of the hardest to cover. Yeah, Bruce, and he he was just that smooth athlete, kind of skinny, you know. And but uh, gosh, the guy could move well and just had a knack for getting open and would make the play every time it comes to him. That's cool. Yeah. All right, man. So what was I'm curious, what was it, what is the daily grind like? You play a game Sunday after the game. I've always wondered, like, does it take you two or three days to recuperate? Are you just sore all over? Or what's what's that like? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. NFL is a huge grind. And that's what my son, you know, even at UCLA now, now college football is a crazy grind. But NFL. Yeah, yeah I mean, you're but you, you're in such peak shape, but you still get beat up so much. But uh yeah, play Sundays. Monday you go in for film, lifting, that type of stuff, and you know, usually in the in the uh, physical therapy and and all that to get your body back right. And then Tuesday's your day off, and then the grind starts again Wednesday morning. On Wednesday, Thursdays are your full full days. So those those are the tough tough days. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a grind. And then you know, training camp. Oh, I used to hate training camp. But month month straight of nothing but football. You know, meetings all day long oh yeah it's just it's just a grind but all once you get into once you got in the season i was you know loved loved it but training camp never never loved training camp <laughs> yeah i can yeah. imagine i can only imagine so all right i'm curious what you played in a lot of historic uh stadiums as well in fact i think you played in lambo the on lambo field in the playoff i think right what yeah. was that oh that was great yeah because we uh nfc championship and we were rolling. That was my second year at Carolina. And, you know, we had Kevin Green, Lamar Latham, those guys are, we were just rolling. Um, and Kerry, Kerry was having a solid year at quarterback too. Just, you know, 
playing within himself and not, you know, not getting many turnovers. But we went to Lambeau Field and we were rolling at that time thinking um, nobody was scoring us in the second half. I think second half of the year, we barely gave up any points. Second half. So very confident. And I think we started up 10-3 or something in the game, too. So we're like, oh, yeah, we're rolling to the Super Bowl. But then uh, Favre had different ideas uh, and came back and got us. But um, so much history. And it was cold there. I think it was minus three wind wow. chill. Um, they, they they had the – at least the field wasn't – but the field was just kind of mushy and uh, not that great. But they had big heaters on the sidelines, so it kind of keeps you warm. But playing at Lambeau in, in the playoffs, I mean, what, what an atmosphere and what an experience. I can imagine. So we, are you willing to tell us what would be the worst stadium you played at? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Everybody always says Philadelphia, you know, uh, back <laughs> yeah. then. But, yeah. uh and I can't remember what the what that stadium was at Philadelphia, but the turf was, I mean, it had like hollow areas and just the turf was awful. Was and I used to hear guys, you know, blowing, you know, more injuries there than should have. And yeah, it was just, just garbage. Yeah. That's funny. And then I got to ask you too, like you said, I'm a Bronco fan and I, you did play at mile high and it was the year yeah. I think my, my beloved Broncos went to the Super Bowl. So they had a pretty good team that year. What was that like playing at mile oh, high? Oh, did they? Yeah, mile high. I mean, the typical elevation stuff you got to deal with. So you're just more tired, um, you have a hard time. And then you kind of get your wind about you, probably second quarter, late second quarter. But, um, you know, playing against Elway and then uh, it was uh, St- Shannon Sharp. So Shannon Sharp was just a beast. So I had to try to guard him at tight end. And, you know, he's a freak and we all know how good he was. Um, yeah. It's always had, yeah, tough, tough times playing up there. Broncos, oh, Terrell Day. <laughs> Well, remember how good Terrell Davis? I forget about oh, Terrell yeah. Davis and their their run game. And Terrell Davis, he led the NFL in rushing there probably five or six years yeah. uh, about that time too. Yeah, yeah so he was a stud. Really he was good. one of those where yeah, I wish he uh, it, had he not gone down with the knee injury. I think he would be probably breaking some of the rushing records in the NFL. But um, yeah, not a crazy fast guy, but gosh, just efficient because he was was he sixth yeah. seventh rounder. I mean, he wasn't he went pretty late. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, yeah, he had a two thousand yeah, yard season in his in his uh, yeah. season before he busted his knee. And he came right. in. He came before in. He was a rookie, ninety five. Also, mile high or Lambeau is easier to play in. Like, which is harder, like the elevation or like the cold? Um, I think the I probably think the elevation because mile high you got the elevation and the cold, so you got to deal with a little <laughs> bit of both. Yeah, that so. is true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And the crowds, yeah. I I mean Lambeau. Those those fans there are like almost friendly too. So, uh, but it, but it is loud in there for sure. But probably mile high, maybe a little bit. All right, you and you played. I mean, with and for a lot of legendary guys. But I got to ask you. I know it was only one year with the Saints, but I think Mike Dicka was the coach when you were there. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Give us some stories. Oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, I just remember coming to the meeting room the first time and just I was like, is that, I smell smoke. Is that you know what? And it's, uh, you know, it's just the heavy cigar smoke in the meeting room. So Dick, uh, he didn't care where he was at. He's smoking those cigars. It doesn't matter. I was like, what? Your head coach smoking cigars in meetings all the time. So, but he, he's his own man. He's a, he's a character. Just, yeah, just, just a intense guy. Um, crazy, but, uh, yeah, ended up and we, we were all right that year. We, we didn't make the playoffs. We, we had some quarterback issues, um, but uh, we started out good, but then fell, fell off a little bit for sure. Nice. Yeah. And then I got to ask you too, because when you went to the Colts, I think that was Peyton Manning's second year. 
Yeah, uh, you guys had a good season that year. I think went thirteen and three. That was the year I think you lost to the Titans, actually. That who ended uh, up going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, going to the Super Bowl because I think they had the the crazy play the week before yep. in the playoff. Yeah, game. that yeah, what do they, they call it? The uh, what is it called? The miracle, something miracle. I forget yeah, what. Yeah. It, but yeah. But so they what were was yeah. They, with Peyton. Oh, Peyton, Peyton was great. Got to know him. Yeah, played you know and played some golf with Peyton too. But uh, you know he's he's one of those guys that's expect in expects a lot even though it was only his second year but he was good to you know get on his receivers and stuff but uh man he had a great year so let's see that been nine, 2000 so or actually no 99 99 was the second year so my first year there and they were three and 13 his rookie year and then we went 13 and three uh, my first year there and him and marvin harrison were just lighting it up and they had a great year um and then edger and james was a rookie that year too and uh, Edge is a character, awesome guy from Miami. And then we, it was kind of controversial because we let uh, Marshall Falk go. And then, uh, so Polian let Marshall go, who was a very veteran, but he went to the Rams, had a great career. But luckily, Edwin came and played well and just balled out for, for quite a while there at Indy. Yeah. I think one of my, the I don't know if I'd say favorite, but just funniest video or snippets that I see of Peyton is he's on the sideline yelling. We're a family friendly show, so I can't say what he was saying, but he's yelling on the sideline. I think it's Jeff <laughs> Saturday, just telling him to block, you know, except he didn't say it. So oh, was he yelling Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Cause him and Saturday, they, you know, they're, they're, they're boys. They, they were good friends and everything. And uh, Saturday, you know, going from a plumber to being one of the best centers in the NFL. And then, yeah, you see him all the time on, uh, on ESPN on, he does a great job at that. Uh, yeah. I could see Peyton uh, screaming at him and, yeah, using some choice <laughs> yeah. words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then I yeah. think it was the next year. I got to ask you too what it was like to play with Mora at the Colts because he's the one that uh, a lot of folks that listen to our show will probably recognize his clip when he's you know playoffs playoffs. Yo, yeah, yeah. Then <laughs> oh, that was that was our year too because I uh, think that might be our last, my last year there at uh, Indy when it, the playoff quote came out. Um, we, we had a little bit of a rough year, probably Peyton's fourth year so yeah because it was my third year so his fourth year in the nfl and not many people know but he, he had a pretty rough year his fourth year in the nfl and really fell off and then uh cut you know some of some of our defensive guys got cut because we didn't win many games didn't make the playoffs so i was one of those guys that that got got axed after that year so oh that stinks bummer <laughs> yeah stinks. yeah yeah. Although, although let me, I know not to get into any sort of, you know, personal financial stuff, but when you, when you go from team to team, are you getting a signing bonus every time you go to the next team? Is that, is it, is it a little yeah. boost for you? Oh yeah. No, it was, it was good there for a while. Cause yeah. Cause I got signed new Orleans and then voided that contract out and then signed with the Colts. So yeah, I get, got a couple nice signing bonuses there. And then that last year I had the, I think I had another year, maybe two years left in my contract. And then first time getting cut. So that was a big bummer. So, uh, so I, I, the, I the realities ask. of NFL. Yeah. I got to ask though, I'm curious, uh, expose my age, but I suppose, and I don't want to give you too much of a hard time, but you're my age as well. So, but back yeah. then there, there probably wasn't such a thing as electronic deposit. So what is it, what did it feel like to get like your, I guess they cut you your first check. That's probably like a seven figure check or something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what and I always liked. I didn't like direct deposit. I liked picking up my checks and yeah. uh, going and deposit them because that made me, you know, those weeks. And you were talking about the NFL and what a grind it is. And it, it can be a grind. But then when you're going and uh, you're picking up those checks on Monday, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it definitely would help to have like a tangible thing. 
that, that oh, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Instead of looking at it, I can actually, yeah, have the check and, and go deposit it. So I like, I enjoyed that. All right. A couple more questions for you. One is, what would you say? And, and may, I think I might know the answer to this, but what was your most memorable moment when you were in the NFL? Um, it probably that, that Pittsburgh interception. Probably. Yeah. I was going to say uh, that Cordell. Stewart yeah. Pick. yeah. Yeah. Cordell Stewart pick and just being able to make that play and do that. And, and, you know, it's such a big moment and then being able to make the playoffs and that year. Yeah. That was probably my second year in the NFL. It was probably, probably one of my funnest years, uh, in the NFL. And, uh, and I, I really, well, let's see, Brett Maxey went down, I think in the first quarter. So then I pretty much played the whole game and that was the first time. Cause I played more just nickel and I got all those interceptions playing, uh, you know, probably playing only about 30% of the the snaps, uh, nice. just, just to have some big breaks that year. But yeah. then my next year was my first time being a full starter. So it was my, my third year in the NFL. And I did, I think I, I had the, I had the Carolina Panthers tackle. I think I had 153 tackles, uh, that year. So I did have a lot of tackles, um, and yeah. I didn't have as many picks, but, but a lot of it was just a tackle machine. You had actually, I thought you had quite a few picks for, cause I mean, I don't know, yeah. but it seems like for the, the, you played what strong safety. Yeah. Playing strong yeah. safety. Yeah. I get usually cause uh, that year, that many, I think two, and then one year with the saints, I think I had four picks too. So I, yeah, I ended up, I was always able to get my, you know, get those opportunities and make the most of my chances and made my play. So you were, yeah, you were a ball hawk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I see it. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so I have a question for you, Chad. So uh, going on that same vein of like memorable moments. So you've been on the side of some, some pretty big winning seasons. What do you remember more? Do you remember the big wins more or the big losses more? <sighs> that is a good question. Cause there is some losses that I remember too. Um, and probably the worst one was my, uh, that I remember as much was my a loss at Cal when we were playing when I was playing at Oregon. I think it was my sophomore year. Yeah, my sophomore year, and we were two and zero, and we were in Cal, and we were probably going to be top twenty five, and we were up thirty one to seven at halftime, and ended up they ended up coming back, running all these trick plays and everything, and we ended up losing, and that was one of the, it was tough. And when I lost sleep over, couldn't sleep, and just devastated our year, and we never really cut bounce back. But that that was one of the most memorable games, and and it was because it was that tough of a loss. So that one definitely. Yeah. Uh, but some of the big wins, yes, that that Pittsburgh win, be you know clinching to go to the Rose Bowl at Oregon, beating Oregon State up there, and then the Husky game at Oregon, you know the the Kenny Wheaton pick, yeah, you know so, some of the losses. It kind of kind of goes both ways. Yeah, I forgot that Kenny Wheaton pick. That was iconic. That's an iconic moment in Oregon history. Oh, yeah. All right. So being a, a, a show that um, focuses a little bit on sports cards, I got to ask if you do you collect any sports card? Did you ever as a kid collect sports cards? I should know I this. I, grew yeah, up. I collected uh, baseball cards. Yeah, yeah, I did collect some baseball cards way back in the day. And then uh, then my brother-in-law got a hold of them. I kind of, I kind of haven't had them since, so I don't know what he did because <laughs> I had some pretty good cards too. But uh, so I did, yeah, I did collect them, but they're gone now. So never really after that didn't collect too much. So no. You need to track down your brother-in-law because I don't know if you've seen how the card market has been lately, but it is insane. <laughs> it's insane. I don't even want to know what some of those cards would be worth now because I, 
I did have a Thurman Munson and gosh, I had some pretty good cards. I was trying. Yeah. Uh, yes, I might have been a 71. Jeez, I don't even want to know how much that's worth now. Track down your <laughs> – we, we've got a game later, and I'm going to ask you about some uh, – uh, I've got one question that I'll test your knowledge on card values, and I think you're going to be uh, you're going to be amazed. And by the way, I know we talked before the show, but for our listeners, Chad has been gracious enough. I have did get a bunch of his cards, and I'm going to send them to him to have him sign a few of them, and then we are going to use those to give away – to our listeners so looking forward to that chad thank you for doing that appreciate it oh yeah, and, yeah no problem and then uh i was yeah my my claim to fame i was showing chad i i hanging on to my uh high school years i showed chad that picture before the show started <laughs> that i'll put up no one none of the listeners can actually see this but yeah that's uh, i guess that was the ashland daily tidings and that was uh so Chad went on to become the NFL star and I went on to become a 50 pound overweight couch potato, but there you go. <laughs> you got the hey, better I'm, end of that. I'm, I'm telling you there, but yeah. Yeah. That's no. our old, old heyday, the old three pointers, you know, that's what coach Hauk and the three point line had just become in existence. And that's all we did is shoot threes. Didn't we? Yeah. Remember yeah. that was when the, that was, was that the first year the three point line even came I think in? my, it must, I, it wasn't our sophomore. So I think that was the first year. My junior year, year, your, your you senior year. Yep. Yep. I think that is it. <laughs> well, our coach, our coach, I think, as I recall, okay. Hauk went to uh, yeah. Jerry Tarkanian camp uh, for UNLV yeah. and they were the running rebels. And so it was just shoot. Even if you had a wide open layup, you, you pulled up and shot the three instead. Good Lord. <laughs> no, yeah. you pulled up. And remember, if you were a foot over the line or, you know, you shot like a 14, 15 footer, he was cussing you out because you had to get out past the three point <laughs> line. It, that's, exactly. That's, that's yeah. the way we're, it, Made sense. I mean, geez, he was way ahead of like what the Warriors and Steph Curry and everybody's doing. So, Coach Howe. Oh, absolutely. Go. I know. Yeah, we <laughs> we were the start of a trend, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Steph, Steph Curry, you're welcome. <laughs> I also got to ask because you got a. It's not just yourself. You got a whole line, a whole lineage in the Coda family. You've got uh, two sons that play. One's at UCLA, and your other son Carson. Yep. I think he was at Arizona for a while. I'm not sure if he's still there anymore, but. Um, is he is he still playing? Yeah, we're we're trying to figure out. He's kind of in transition about where he's going to go or where he's going to play at. So we're trying to figure that out still here. So yeah, and he's yeah. a beast. How did that yeah, kid get so big? <laughs> I don't know. My yeah, Christina, my wife. You know, she's almost five nine. I guess, and yeah, Carson's just he's a big dude. He I'm, we met him. I think he's almost he's right there at six five. Carson, what do you weigh? Two two thirty usually. So yeah. Nice. He's a big kid, and he can he can he can run now too. So he he can move pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. So we just gotta well, we just gotta find a home a home base for him somewhere. Who who needs a tight end? Somebody needs a tight end. Hey, the Ducks, right? The Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> I, gosh, the Ducks. Well, the Ducks got they got like two, four, five star tight ends. So that's that's kind of why Carson didn't end up going there because they they recruited really well in his class. Got some big guys. Okay. Yeah. Two With Cristobal leaving, you think they're gonna lose a bunch of guys? Oh, I, I know there are a couple guys gone. They need they need to announce who's going to be the uh, new head guy so we can save this recruiting class, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because Cristobal, he's such a great recruiter. I mean, just just a solid guy, just likable guy, um, and does a great job. So I hope I hope we find somebody here soon because they're they're going to need to try to save this recruiting class. Like I said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then your other son, Chase, has had a, a great – I've watched – I haven't had a chance to watch all the games, but saw a couple of the games at UCLA. He's had a great season down there. Yeah, he's had a good, good, solid year. He's he's like 
every receiver wants the ball more, but, uh, you know, he, he gets his, yeah. I think he's had uh, 20 catches. He'd rather have, you know, 60, but it, it is what it is. So hopefully, uh, yeah, they, they, they're in the holiday bowl. So, uh, hopefully they have a good showing against, I think North Carolina state. So we're, we're going to head down there here pretty soon, but, uh, Ended up being getting into a really good bowl game, so they had a they had a great year, eight and four this year. Does he enjoy playing for Chip Kelly? Because did you? No, you didn't play for Chip Kelly. You played for Rich Brooks. But. Oh yeah, I didn't play for Chip, but yeah, he's uh, he's enjoying it. Like I said, loves it's it's not as great for outside receivers, but uh, uh, for tight ends and slots, guys, they, they throw the ball a lot to him. So he just he like I said, just wishes he got the ball more, but uh, but loves UCLA and he's he's got his degree at UCLA, so uh, he can't complain. And then your yep. your nephew Brady is here in Nashville with the Titans. How is he liking that? Yeah. Um, he's he's loving it. Just uh, he's been and playing special teams. I don't know if he's playing this weekend. My sister was saying because they had a bye last week, and I think they got a lot of guys kind of back and healthy. But uh, but he's you know just just being in the NFL, six round draft pick, just blast, and you know. Had a great career there at Oregon. Probably wanted to play more, but at the end of his career, those last two games, he just just went off and had a great uh, two games. Oh, ended up getting himself drafted. Yeah. So, well, and that that last year, last year, not this past year, but what twenty twenty, the COVID year, I guess that was tough on everybody. You know, he opted out, and I know that probably impacted your your yeah. younger son because uh, that was his senior year too in high school, right? Oh yeah, it, it did. Carson's, you know, two thousand. Uh, 21 class really got kind of hosed as far as the recruiting and you know guys six years coming back and they granted the eligibility so then there's not near as many uh, scholarships available for his class so that that poor class really really uh, got messed up by that for sure yeah that's tough yeah all right well I think what do you, you got you have anything else you want to ask Brandon not really we kind of went through everything so so I do a couple I mean, more one quick question and then we'll we'll play a little game with you we'll see how you do we'll test your uh trivia knowledge here but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh so I am curious do you keep in touch with like like for example Herbert at Oregon did you kind of keep in touch with some of the recruits that come through Oregon and I didn't help you know, a whole lot with recruiting there so did wasn't that involved I guess probably because my son and his recruiting I was so involved, you know, with Chase and trying to get right where he was going to go. So, uh, but Oregon, no, not they haven't they haven't followed that or don't know a lot of a whole lot of those players there. Well, you've been you've been uh, gracious with your time. We appreciate you spending the time. It's been fun catching up. But before we let you go, we do want to play a quick little game. We've been we do this with all of our interview guests, and um, we're going to mix yours up a little bit. The last you just be glad the last one, Brandon had a bunch of basketball player names that he asked our guests to spell that that uh and and me i guess i tried to do it as well and it was impossible so we're gonna mix <laughs> yeah. it up a little bit this time okay so my first question for you though this is maybe not so much trivia but i, I i'm gonna ch- so what is your favorite sport is it basketball is it football is it baseball or is it water skiing <laughs> water skiing <laughs> Uh, probably would have been more uh, snow skiing than if it out, out of those ones, but uh, okay. I let's see. I love I, you know I love basketball too back in the day. So um, basketball was up there when I was younger, eighth grade. Then about when I got to high school, then it moved to football and skiing was probably there when I was younger too. So it kind of depends what what phase. But now I'm, I'm probably as far as being a fan, football for sure for me. Yeah, you still you so yeah. you you still snow ski quite a bit. 
Yeah, I, I still uh, ski and uh, snowboard with Cobb sometimes too. So uh, nice. yeah, but definitely, definitely love snow skiing. That's what I come over here bend so much for too. Yeah, well, you guys with your young joints, I I can't do that. With I got I, my <laughs> knees and hips and everything are torn apart. Young joints. Right. Remember, I turned fifty this year, so I'm not very far behind you. I know. <laughs> All right, so here's <laughs> here's a question for you. All right, which one of these players is in the NFL Hall of Fame? Which one of these is in the NFL Hall of Fame? Is it Sterling Sharp? Okay. Is it Lester Hayes? Heinz Ward? Randy Gratishar? Reggie Wayne? Or Jan Stenerud? Um, is it Sterling Sharp? No, I don't think he's. Um, it's uh, Stenerud. Is it St- no, it wouldn't be Stenerud. Uh, who was the other names? I so give, give me Sterling other Sharp, names. Lester Hayes, Heinz Ward, Randy Gratishar, Reggie Wayne, Jan Stenerud. Gosh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Lester Hayes. Oh, you had it. I should have. I should have given you the the nod on that because you had it. It was Jan Stenerud. It was a Stenerud. Gosh, I kind of was going with that too. That was gonna be my next guest. Yeah, he got inducted in 1991. He's the only kicker on that list. Is he? Yeah. Well, I knew his kicker, and I was like, well, kickers usually don't make it. Okay. Well, that was that was a tough one. <laughs> I know. Well, it's kind of surprising some of those other names are not, to be honest. Yeah. It is a little bit surprising, but I didn't think I don't remember Sharp getting on there. Not. All right, so here's your here's your sports card question that might blow your mind. Which of these NFL quarterbacks has the highest selling sports card for any NFL card at all? Is it Justin Herbert, Joe Namath, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, or Peyton Manning? Jeez, that's tough. Those are all. Some I mean, good I'm, names. I'm, I'm. I know those are all some good names. Uh, couldn't be Tom Brady. Uh, you go older cars are worth more. So who was it, Joe? Uh, who was the oldest guy in, the, in there? Probably Joe Namath. Joe Na- I'm going to go with Joe Namath. You're going to go with Joe Namath? You know, yep. that's actually not a bad guess, but that is wrong. It's believe it or not, it's Patrick Mahomes. What? Yeah. So, so really? get this. Hold on. Not, he has not, the like, most ex- so, Patrick yeah. Mahomes has what's called a national treasures card it's his rookie card it's an autograph and it's a patch card that has the nfl shield on it but it's a one of one so there's only one ever made it sold oh. uh, not that long ago for 4.3 million dollars what wow <laughs> yeah now that you almost you're talking tom Brady, and that's patrick so tom, and just yeah that's the name that old that yeah that card's not even old I know. So Tom Brady is the second highest selling. Uh, he just had his rookie card of playoff contenders that was an autograph card, and it's it's a numbered card. So only a hundred of them exist, and sold for three point one million. Wow! I know. I'm telling you, you need to track down your brother-in-law and get your cards, man. <laughs> I got to get those cards so bad. Hey, and little trivia too: there's only eleven guys to start against Tom Brady in his first start, and I am one of those eleven. Really. Yeah, I started nice. Tom Brady's first start. So he, because uh, Bledsoe, I think Bledsoe was running up the sidelines and got blasted by, uh, I think it was Aaron Cox. And then sure enough, we're, I was uh, playing for the Colts then, and we, we came in there to go to the stadium. This no-namer that we had, we had to watch basically film from Michigan. That's the only real film we had on him. And gone against Tom Brady. And what we I think we were 17-point favorites, and they ended up beating us. Wow. So don't ever. It's it's always my speech when we're going going to games when you know we're clearly better than the other team and you know this team don't ever underestimate. Well, we were yeah. seventeen point favorites and and I lost <laughs> to this team 
quarterback by a little known. Nobody knew him at the time, but uh, yeah, this guy named Tom Brady. It was his wow. first yeah, NFL that's start. A cool piece of trivia. I like that. <laughs> yeah, one. yeah, I like a little trivia. All right, Brandon, you want to do the next question? Yeah, do you have the names? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Here, I'll give it to you. Yeah, okay. I'm doing horrible on the trivia so far. So we got one. Well, we got one more question, and then Brandon does want to see if you can spell a name that he's been giving everybody. All right, so our next question is which of these players did not have a dad that played in the NFL? Again, that's not have a dad. Patrick Mahomes, okay. Joe Burrow, DK Metcalf, Christian McCaffrey, and Andrew Luck. I would say uh, I didn't know Mahomes had a dad that played in there. What was the second one? Uh, DK Metcalf too. Yeah, DK Metcalf. I think it would be uh, Joe Burrow was on there as well. That was the second one. Yeah, is it? I'd say Mahomes. Mahomes, that's right. You are correct. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, finally I got one. His, yeah, his dad played, but it was professional baseball, not football. Professional baseball. Okay, out of all those guys, because for some reason I didn't think. Yeah. All right. Good. All right, I got one. Right. Yeah. All right, so we got one more, and then we'll let you go. So, Brandon, what he wants you to see, there's a name that uh, we, he's been challenging to see if anyone can spell it right. Nobody's got it right yet. So, yeah, we have on the right track. But, yeah. All right, we'll see. So, Master, so, yeah, it's an NBA player who plays for the Washington Wizards right now. His name is uh, Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell. Okay, I got to spell it. Yeah. M-O-T-R-E-Z, Montrez Am I right there? I hope I started off right. And then H A R R E L L. Okay, that is incorrect. So you got the last name right. The first name is okay, so M O N T R E Z L. L. Do you believe that? Slaps the L on the end. I've told him, I'm like, come on, man. No one is ever going to get this one right. Like, you had it right. That's exactly how I spelled it. I did it how you did it. Like, who's going to spell the L on the name of that? Yeah, at the end of Montrez, it's got an L. Why he spells it that way? Okay, dang it. Yeah. My son's with me. He's like, what? He's got an L on the end of that? Yeah. Yeah. All right, good, Doug. We're both dummies then. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. All right. All right. Well, hey, Chad, I appreciate it. We've taken a lot of your time. I told you it would be about oh, yeah. 35 minutes, so I do appreciate no you problem. taking your time. All right, man. We'll good, talk man. To you All right. Have a good one. All right. Well, that was fun. We hope our listeners enjoyed that interview with Chad. He's a great guy, and what a talented family right. as well. I will say this as I think about that interview uh, obviously, some of our listeners probably heard, you know, Chad would had a was a little bit distracted on a couple of occasions. He had some things going on, so he was very gracious to give us the time and, and do that interview. And I did have a couple of other questions that I really wish I would have followed up with him on. I wanted to, when he mentioned about playing golf with Peyton Manning, I want to dive more into that and hear about that golf game with Peyton Manning. And I was also curious maybe to get a little more details on what film study was like and the kinds of things they look for and how much time they spend on it and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have to maybe have him back on the show sometime in the future and we can cover some additional details. And then we also, as we talked about uh, in the intro to this show, we've got some giveaways that to do. We're going to do some next week, but we also have a giveaway for some Chad Coda cards. Chad was gracious enough to agree to autograph several of his cards we've got some of his rookie cards as well as some uh, some of his other cards when he was with new orleans and so he's agreed to autograph those and so we did a giveaway on social media did a little bit of a mystery guest contest to see who could guess 
uh, who we were going to have on the show. And so we're going to announce, are we going to announce the winners right now? Yeah. We're going to do ahead. that on the mm-hmm. show. Do it. All right. Well, so here's what we're going to do. Cause I think, I think I'm going to have to go back and count, but I think Chad was going to autograph like maybe 10 cards or something like that. So we're actually going to, we said you had to guess who the interview guest was, but we're just going to give it away. Tell you what, we're going to give it away to everyone that had a guess in there. So here we go. So we'll start with uh, Facebook. So our winners, we did this on Facebook and Instagram. So our winners on Facebook, the first one is Daniel McGriff. Daniel McGriff, you are the proud winner of an autographed Chad Cota football card. And then the next winner we're going to do is Brendan Olson. Brendan Olson, you are the proud winner of a Chad Coda autograph card. And then our third and final winner on Facebook is Ron Albano. I know Ron very well. Ron's another great dude. So congrats, Ron. You are getting an autographed Chad Coda football card. And then let's go over to Instagram because we had, I think, one winner on Instagram. Yep. We have Dale Plum 8. I know Dale very well uh, as well. And so congrats, Dale. You, my friend, are getting a Chad Coda autographed football card. For those that won, congratulations. We will be reaching out to you through the social media channels to get your addresses so that we can ship those cards out to you. All right, and remember, we won't have a show next week, but we do actually plan to do a couple of card giveaways on our social media platforms, so follow us to enter those and get a chance to win some cards. We'll be back the week after Christmas with our last show of the year. Yeah, we're going to do some trivia games on our social media platforms and where the first person to answer the question correctly will win some cards. We're going to do that next week. That should be fun. All right, so that is the show for today. We plan to continue to bring you more of these types of interviews next year. That's going to become an overused phrase the next couple of weeks. See you next year. Uh, So please follow us on social media, and we'll keep you in the loop on upcoming guests and other fun stuff that we have planned. So Brandon, take us out. All right. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, We are always open to suggestions, so please feel free to let us know what you like, don't like, things you'd like to hear more about, all that stuff. This is your show, and we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback so that we can improve and make the show better and more enjoyable, informative, and valuable for you. Also remember to check us out on social media and like and follow our pages and channels. All that stuff, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and check out our website, www.the615collector.com. All right, another show in the books. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope everyone has a great Christmas. We will see you, well, not next Friday, but the Friday after that on New Year's Eve, same time, same place here on the 615 Collector.